Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. When, uh, when we read through the Old Testament, before Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land, Moses had to, first of all, die, which nobody's dying here, but... Um, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, But what Moses did before that happened, he's looking at me sideways now. Um, What Moses did is he wrote the book of Deuteronomy, and he wrote it for the second generation of Israelites. So the first generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt, out of slavery, they didn't get to go into the promised land. It was their kids. Their kids got to go into the promised land. And before they did, Moses wrote a book for them called Deuteronomy. And that book is um, what we're going to talk about today. And it has in it, in the chapters like 4 through 12, there's this section where uh, he uses the word remember or a verb that says do not forget or remember. And he says it over and over and over again. Remember, don't forget. Remember, don't forget. And so as we believe that the Lord is leading us into a new season as a church, we want to, like Moses did, um, preach to you guys this message of remembrance. It's a tool for us to move forward. In order for us to move forward in God, we have to remember. And that's not just a word for today. It's a word for um, all of the time that we are walking together. We always need to remember the Lord. We need to remember him and what he's doing. Uh, Mocus? Mocus. Mocus. I want to read to you out of Deuteronomy 6 first, and I, I, want to, I want to read this because I think it conveys the Lord's heart for us really well, and I love what it says. And so this is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 13, and this isn't going to be on the screen, so you can just listen or read along in your Bible. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your city gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant when you eat and are satisfied be careful not to forget the lord who brought you out of the land of egypt out of the place of slavery and so it's really important as we take steps towards the promises of god and we begin to walk in this way of the promises of what he's promised this church we need to remember him It's not about the promises. It's about him. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is not about Mm -hmm. what he wants to do. It's about him. Mm -hmm. It's, it's It's all about him. It's all to direct our worship, our focus to him. And so I just wanted to commend you guys with that and say, let's keep our eyes on the Father. Mm. Let's keep our eyes and our hearts focused on remembering him and how wonderful he is. I think, I think one of the keys is, as we remember, what it does is it actually prepares us for the future. Because we have to look back, and as we look back, we understand 
that God was faithful, he always was faithful. And because of that, he always will be faithful. But it's really hard to have faith for the future and what God's gonna do if we get our eyes off Christ. And so remembering allows us to stop and recenter our focus and our attention so that we can see, three, see things through that specific uh, set of, of glasses, through that lens. All throughout the Bible, God brings up this, Ellie was talking about the Old Testament. It continues into the New Testament too. And the reason that God tells us to remember so much is because he knows that if he doesn't, we won't. <laughs> we can so quickly forget. Yeah. Have you ever been in this place before where God does some massive miracle in your life? provision, does a, does a relational thing. Like it's just, it's this incredible thing. And we're like, oh my word, God is so good. And then we wake up the next morning going, how am I going to pay the bills? Right? We forget so easily of God's faithfulness. And so remembering helps us to be able to keep focused on that so that he remains at the center of the story. What happens too is, as we, as we, Remember, it keeps us from getting to a place where we take credit for things that are God's and not ours and living in shame for failure that we shouldn't. Because remembering him as the center of the narrative means that when things are going really good, it's not me doing it, it's Christ through me. It helps me to understand that I'm not all that in a bag of chips. And I'm not just like God's gift to humanity. No, God is his gift to humanity. But he moves through me. And so if I keep my eyes on Christ, I understand that anything that happens in my life and anything that he uses in my life to be able to extend the kingdom and to extend the love of Christ, all is because of him. And also to the same token, when we get our eyes off Christ, we can start to live in shame for failure. When things happen, we start to get down on ourselves and we start to believe this narrative that we are, we are nobody, that we're a failure, that we should not have anything to do with anybody anywhere because we just don't have what it takes. And the enemy starts to weave these, sow, sow these seeds of blame and shame that we carry. But again, when we get our eyes on God, it allows us to actually fail forward because we remember his faithfulness despite us. When I am weak, he is strong. When I'm not enough, he's more than enough. And when we start to keep our eyes on him, we can celebrate success in the right way and we can walk through failure in the right way because he's the center of the narrative, not me. If, If each of us, if I am the center of my own story, I'm in big trouble because I'm not that cool. (laughs) But if I keep God at the center, then my life can become this beautiful tapestry that he puts together and weaves together of his faithfulness and his love. And this is what remembering does is it helps us to be able to do that. Pride or thinking too highly of yourself and also blame and living in the shame of failure actually limits the effect and the ability for grace to flow, through, flow freely in our lives. But when we remember Christ, grace is activated in our lives. And we need to be people that live by grace. We have to understand that the only thing we have is the grace of God that gives us everything we need for every day. 
So keeping him at the focus is being able to help us to do that. Now, um, as we look at Deuteronomy, it's one of these beautiful examples of, uh, of, of remembering. God spoke some very specific things to his people. Now, if you've ever read Deuteronomy, it's actually a little cringeworthy. Because you'd have God say, hey, listen, obey my statutes. This is what I'm laying down. Remember, remember, don't forget. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you read and they forget. And then they go their own way and they start worshiping their own idols. And we sit there going, how could they possibly do that? We do the same thing. We so quickly get our eyes off of Christ when he's promised things and when he said, remember, remember, don't forget, remember my faithfulness. Because if you remember, you won't have anxiety. Because if you remember, then the fear will be, too, will be removed because my power will be flowing through you. When you remember, there's something that's powerful that's released that if we fail to remember, we get our eyes off. And that's where idolatry happens. That's where we start to elevate things that should never be elevated in our life. So we read Deuteronomy and we're like, how can these guys never get it? Like, it's not that hard. But what's beautiful about it is even in all the times that God comes and reminds his people to remember, it shows his faithfulness, it shows his patience, it shows his love and his kindness. And that's the same thing that is true for us today. When we forget He's right there to help us remember. When we look and we say, I I got this, I got this. He has a real good way of humbling us. (laughs) He's so good at being able to help us to do that. In Deuteronomy, we're going to look at a few things and we are going to, we can do this, babe. We're going to look at a few things specifically that Deuteronomy, (laughs) Lane's laughing at me because he has our notes. Uh, He knows there's a lot. (laughs) We're going to go through this, and these are some specific things that we pulled out of Deuteronomy that the Lord says to remember. And as we look at them, this is not just for the Israelites in Deuteronomy, this is for us. So listen to it through the filter and the lens of what it means for us today as we go through this. The first one. Yeah, and just as we jump in, I know that we're pulling out of the Old Testament, which sometimes is a little hard, but they are a type. So the Israelites are a type, which is, it's like a, it's like a metaphor, or they, they would be a representation of how we are as Christians. And so we can look at them, and we can pull principles, and we can learn from them in the way that they walked with God. And so uh, the very first one is, remember that you were once slaves. Deuteronomy 6.12 says, Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. And I, I think in this, remember that you were once slaves. We were once slaves to sin. Amen. Romans actually says in Romans 6, 17 through 18, it says, but thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. And so we are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. And so we have been set free. And in that, that Deuteronomy verse, it says, 
Do not forget the Lord who brought you out. We are not set free from sin by ourselves. We are set free from sin by Christ. We are set free from from it from all of that by him. And so we no longer need to worry about our sin, but we can look back and remember. We can remember that we were slaves of sin. And it's really important for us to do this because it's our testimony. Yeah. It's the power of Christ at work in us. Amen. When we look back at how we used to be Amen. and we see all that the Lord has done in us, those steps that he's taken us on, the journey and path that he created just for us, we can worship him. We Amen. can praise him. Yeah. It stirs up thankfulness. And as we remember the journey and who he's made us to be, we can begin to thank him and worship him. And that's where we get, um, that's where we go. When we remember that we were slaves, it's not into a place of condemnation. Right. It's into a place of faith that yeah. God has more. He can do the same work in you that he did in me. Amen. If someone is down and out and they're struggling with depression or um, anxiety, and you've been on a journey where you've seen him break that off of you, as you remember, your testimony pulls them along in the journey. And it's, it's a good thing. We should remember where we came from, what the Lord has brought us out from. That's a really important thing for us to do. In Ephesians 2, Paul urges the Gentiles to remember their state before Christ and how he is the one that brought them near. Amen. He is the one that brings us near. Amen. So as we remember that we were once slaves to sin, we are no longer, and we can celebrate Amen. that. And that's one of the very first things that Moses urges us to remember in Deuteronomy. Yeah, that's so good. The second thing he reminds us, or he, he has us to remember, is to remember to center our worship on God only. To center our worship on God only. Which sounds really simple. <laughs> we, I think everyone in this room we would be like, yeah, I agree with that. There is no theological difference that I have in my mind. I, I agree with that. But it's really interesting how this is one of those things that the enemy plays with so over time in our culture. You and I were actually, well, let me read the verse through first out of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy says this, fear the Lord your God, worship him, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. There's something powerful in the fact that you and I were created to worship. Yeah. It was inherently put into us. We were designed to worship. God created us to worship with our lives, with everything that we do, for the way that we live. We were designed that way. But the thing that we need to then remember is because we were designed to worship, we can be prone to worship all the things. And so what, what God is reminding through Moses is saying, okay, be really, really careful. Because you are beings that are created to worship the king of kings, be real careful that your attention and your worship doesn't get focused on other things. Now, as you look at the Israelites in Exodus 32, it was the golden calf. And the golden calf, the story is very simple, right? Moses went up to the mountain to spend time with God for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was up there. And while he was there, the Israelites got really impatient, and they were worried that he wasn't coming back. So what they do? They approached Aaron and said, Aaron, we need something to worship. Again, how could they forget? That's really easy to do. And this is why. Worship and trust are connected. Because what happens is, as we 
trust the Lord, we can worship freely. The Israelites got to a place where they had a hard time trusting God. And they wanted something that was material, that they could see, that they, that they, could, that they could touch, rather than keeping their eyes on Christ. They wanted something that they could look at with their physical eyes, and not necessarily the eyes of their spirit. And in this moment that we see that they asked for this golden calf and they began to worship this golden calf, we see that what happened is they slipped right into the pattern of the culture that they had come out of and that they knew so well. Their worship that had been free and this opportunity to worship before the king, all of this, it slid back into this pattern that they had lived in before. And they wanted something that they could see with their, their physical eyes. The physical manifestation of something like this. Here's, here's the thing that we need to remember. God says, listen, don't have any other gods. Don't, don't get distracted with culture. Culture has a lot of things that can distract your worship. A lot of things. He says, don't, don't get distracted. And here's the key, is that our spiritual eyesight needs to be stronger than our natural eyesight if we hope to keep our worship centered in the right place. Now, there are times when this is super easy to do. When things are going amazing, it's easy to look at God and be like, worshiping him for what he's done. But it's not as easy to do that when it's dark. And it doesn't make sense. But even though we can't see physically what God is doing in the physical realm, the eyes of our spirit stay connected to him, and this is where our worship comes from. You look at Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, when they were arrested and put in jail, they were beat, they were thrown in there, they were locked away. It was really hard for them to just see, wow, God is so good. But because their spiritual eyesight was connected with Christ, they were able to worship. Because their spiritual eyesight surpassed their natural eyesight. Now, they had seen God do miracles. They had seen God do incredible things when it was easy to worship him. But then in the middle of that dungeon where they were beaten and they were bleeding and they were sitting there in stocks, they said, okay, we're still going to worship because we see God. Our spirits see. We don't see how this situation is going to change in the natural, but we see God in this. And they begin to start worshiping because of that. So God says, listen, don't get caught up on the gods that the culture worships. Stay, Stay focused on me because I will sustain you through those dark times. The next thing that Moses writes to them is to remember the Lord's signs and wonders. In Deuteronomy 7, 18 through 19, it says, Do not be afraid of them. Be sure to remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of Egypt, the great trials that you saw, the signs and wonders, the strong hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all the peoples you fear. When we read this passage, we have to think about the fact that Moses was writing to people who were kids when those signs and wonders happened. Mm. They, they were little, like they were small people, you know? And so they saw all these signs and wonders happen. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw 10 plagues come and visit all of the people of Egypt. They watched all this happen. They watched the Lord part the waters and they actually physically walked through on dry ground, but they were kids. 
And so he's telling them, hey, don't forget what happened when you were little. Don't forget what happened before all of those signs and wonders. I'm going to do them again. And so he's not a God that only does signs and wonders one time. Our Bible is filled with signs and wonders. And so he asks us, hey, remember what I've done. And now, you know, in our Western culture, we probably don't have as many signs and wonders as they did in Acts. When I read Acts, I I cry a little bit because I'm just like, Lord, I want to see that here. Now, that doesn't take my worship, but it does take um, faith. I want, I want to see him move in a way that people get saved. Yeah. I want to see him begin to heal the sick and, and watch people turn and repent in numbers that, that we can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. And what's beautiful is we can, we can gain faith mm-hmm. as we read the Bible. Mm-hmm. It can build our faith for the great things that he wants to do. He is a God of miracles. Amen. He is a God that does signs Amen. and wonders, not just so that we can feel good, It's actually to draw people to him, to show him that he loves them, to show them that he cares, that he sees them, that he knows them personally. And so um, we're going to kind of go through a couple of quick little things. First, I'm going to read Psalm 105.5. It says, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. And I just want to say some of the judgments he's pronounced are on his son, Hmm. all of them. So when we remember the judgments he's pronounced, we can say, praise Jesus that they are on you and not on me Mm. and not on my fellow man. It's on Jesus. And so um, that is one of the miracles and signs and wonders that he has performed is raising his very own son from the dead. Uh, And so we can worship him for that and we can remember that. Uh, In Mark 1, 23 to 27, Jesus casts a demon out of someone. In Mark 1, 29 through 31, Mark 1, 40 through 42, Mark 6, 12 through 13, Jesus heals a bunch of sick people, like tons of sick people. So those are just three verses out of the Bible where that happens. There's like a lot more. Um, He multiplied bread and fish for 5,000 people and 4,000 people. One of those happened in Matthew 14. Paul was bit by a snake and lived. That happened in Acts 28. Um, In Acts 2 and 19 um, and several other chapters in Acts, the people spoke in new tongues that the people that were there could actually understand them and hear the gospel. Um, Wouldn't it be cool if we began to believe that God could give us a tongue that could translate for someone that doesn't understand us in our language? Mm. What if that, what what if we believed him for that, Mm. that we could actually share the good news of Christ with someone that doesn't know him because he gives us a supernatural language to be able to connect with them. Mm. That's what happened in Acts um, when the tongues initially fell on the people is there was a, there was a rumbling and Thousands got saved because they heard the gospel in their own language. Um, In Acts 8, Philip was transported through time and space. Now, I've never personally known that to happen um, to anyone. I have. Star Trek. Gosh. (laughs) You know, it's coming. No. uh, (laughs) Star Trek is coming. (laughs) Oh, boy. But all through the Bible, we see God doing miraculous things. And I think in our Western culture, we're very limiting of Mm. what he can do. We don't allow him room. We don't Mm. give him room for signs and wonders because we want it to all make logical sense. Mm. 
Logical sense doesn't say that Philip should go from baptizing someone to some other city. That, I don't know how to explain that actually at all. Uh, But what it does do is it builds my faith. God, if you want me somewhere, I want to be there. Mm, I want you to use me wherever you need me. Mm. If there's a man riding in a car somewhere that I need to share the gospel with, by all means, empower me to do it at that time, at that moment. Uh, Help me to be aware of your spirit and your presence, thinking about you and what you want to do through me at all times, not just when we're here on Sunday at service. Mm. I actually, we are called to go and take the signs and wonders out. When I read all these signs and wonders in the Bible, it wasn't when they were in the temple. I mean, some of them happened in the temple, but a lot of them actually happened outside of the temple. A lot of them happened as the people were going, as they were walking, these signs and wonders, they followed them. And so I want us to be a people that says, Lord, we believe you for the signs and the wonders, for the miracles you want to do. We want to see people get set free. We want to see all of this darkness break off of them. When they have depression, I want to be able to pray for those people and watch depression melt off of them so that they can walk in the joy of the Lord because you are full of joy. And I am full of joy because of you. And so uh, in Acts, uh, the people were also all throughout Acts empowered to speak boldly. Mm. And so our prayer as the people of God, as we remember all of the miracles he did, all of them. I mean, I think about uh, Jeremiah and the miracles that he performed. He multiplied oil and raised people from the dead. And, you know, we can, we can expect God to do good things through us because his spirit is in us. So if we have the Holy Spirit working in us, then we are capable of seeing God do m- miracles through us. And so, uh, oh no, this moved. Um, Mark, thank you. Mark 16, 15 through 18 says this. This is Jesus talking. (laughs) This is Jesus talking. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it won't harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. And so this is our great co-mission with Christ. And we are commissioned from here to go out into the world, to proclaim the gospel, to watch the sick get healed. Let's ask God to remind us of his miracles as we're walking. Help me remember God. Help me have faith. Build my faith for what you want to do through me to watch the culture around me shift and change. We don't have to settle that our culture is this way. We can actually fight back by taking the gospel with us, by preaching. And you know what? Preaching isn't just this. Preaching the gospel is saying, you know what? I used to, I used to struggle with depression too. I used to really battle it. It held me down. I was pushed into the ground and I had no idea how to get out. And then one day, One day I met Jesus, or even if it's in the middle of your testimony, then one day as I was praying, God gave me a word Mm. about depression and how he was going to break it off of me. You know what? God Mm. can use our testimony and we can begin to see those kinds of miracles break off of people's lives and watch them get healed and saved and set free. Uh, And so anyway, 
Remember his miracles, signs, and wonders. <laughs> good, good word. Good word. Amen. You guys doing good? Okay, a few more. A few more. Remember the Lord's leading and provision. Remember the Lord's leading and provision. Um, Deuteronomy 8 says this, to remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. Sometimes we need to remember that the Lord is the one who's leading us. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's dark, even when it can seem confusing, the Lord is the one who's leading us. Psalm 23 says that you lead me on paths of righteousness. Why? For your name's sake. See, God is leading us in the direction he is. He's providing a way for us to move forward because it's going to bring glory to his name. And so even if it doesn't make sense to us, we can still trust you're leading us. You're leading us. It goes on to say that so that he might humble you and test you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry, and then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, and your feet did not... I read this the other day when I was working on it. It says, your feet did not swell. I read it as sweat. And I thought that would have also been a really cool miracle. But it doesn't say that. Your feet did not swell for these 40 years. God was providing all the time. Every step of the way, God was providing for them. They didn't always see it, but God was providing every step of the way. And, and, And this is the cool thing. Even in their grumbling, God still provided. Even when their hearts weren't in the right place, God never stopped providing. Oh, we're sick of manna. All right. Quail. Do we need water? Here's a rock. God never stopped providing for his people. And I, I, I love this because not only did God provide everything they needed in the physical realm, but God also provided Jesus to pay the price and to pay the debt that we have no way of paying on our own. God has been leading us and God has been providing for us. As you look at your life, it may not always look the way that you think. It may not always look the way that you would want. But as you're following Christ, you can believe that God is leading you the way he wants and he's guiding you and he is providing for everything that you need. All right. Are you guys doing okay? I know there's, there's a few here, but I think it's great to remember all these wonderful things that God has done and to celebrate them and look at them with fresh eyes and say, thank you. Uh, this next one is remember the Lord's discipline. It's a great one. <laughs> Our favorite. Uh, Deuteronomy <laughs> 8, 5 says, keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as man disciplines his son. Moses was re- re- referring to the delay of entering the promised land. That was a massive discipline that God put on the people of Israel. And they, they, did, they got disciplined by the Lord. And there were several moments in that 40 years where they had to be disciplined. But 
What's beautiful is that his discipline is for our good. Mm. It's for, it's out of love for us. His discipline is to draw us near, not to push us away. And I love, I love the definition of discipline, specifically in Hebrews, which I'm going to read Hebrews and then I'll tell you what the definition means. Hebrews 12, five through six says, and you have forgotten uh, the exhortation. Uh, I feel like that's copied wrong. Um, yeah, you. You just go down here. I'll just go down. <laughs> My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. And that word discipline in that second part there, it actually means to tutor, to chasten, to instruct, and to nurture. Hmm. And so as legitimate sons and daughters of Christ, we, we are disciplined by him. Hmm. And that discipline is not so that uh, we'll just behave better. The discipline has nothing to do with behavior. It has to do with getting our hearts focused on him to draw them back to him, not to be caught up with all these other things, but actually so that we're drawn back to his love and his heart. And so I love that it actually means nurture. He nurtures our heart back to him. He draws our heart back to him. And this is an interesting thing, but that word punishes in Hebrews 12, um, I looked it up. And I'm still meditating on this, but I want to give it to you. And it's something that you can begin to meditate on as well and ask the Lord for clarification. But that word punishes actually means flog. And I don't, I, what's interesting is that it actually, the only other places that it's translated in the entire New Testament has to do with Jesus getting flogged. That's the only other place is when Jesus gets flogged. It's always referencing Jesus. And what's beautiful is God flogged his son for us. So our discipline is nurtured. Our discipline is not flogging. It's actually kind and loving and gentle. He leads us gently because he took the punishment and put it on his own son. It was really, I was, I was thinking about it. I'm like, man, because this verse is talking about how Jesus, it's talking about Jesus and us. And, and that word punish, punish means flog. And I just can't, I can't get over it. I think it's so beautiful that he flogged his own son so that he wouldn't have to do that to us. Because sin is so great and so separate from him. He can't have anything to do with sin And so he did it to his son so that we could enter in freely and with grace. And so I just want to celebrate his discipline. He disciplines us because he loves us. He disciplined his son who did nothing wrong so that we could walk in freedom, so that we could walk in grace, so that he could just nurture and love us and instruct us and teach us. Oh, me, my turn. Okay. You're up. The... The next one is remember the Lord's word and his statutes. Remember his word and his statutes. And we're almost done, but I think that the reality of understanding how important his word is and the reason for it, Deuteronomy 8 says this, be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God 
by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I am providing for you today. As I read this passage, the way that my mind goes there is to read it from the perspective of God's desire for his people to walk in the best way. He's saying, listen, obey my statutes, obey my commands, obey my words, not to box you in, but because my way is best. And, 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 and my way is full of life. And so in doing this, he's saying, remember to follow what I've said because I know what is best for you. I know what is best for you. Maybe it's not always obvious to you, but I know what's best for you. And this is why I'm leading you in this path. David celebrated this so much in the Psalms. In Psalms 1, he says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instructions and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. David is not talking from like a a holy monk type, I meditated on the word of the Lord all night. No, he's saying that if he doesn't, he knows where his life would be. And so he realized how vitally important it is to meditate on the Lord's precepts, to meditate on everything that he's done. And then he makes the declaration in Psalm 119 that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If it was not for your word, where would I be? If it was not for the guiding of your statutes and your precepts, where would I be? Now here's the switch. In John 1, Jesus is called the word. So as us to be able to obey and be close and meditate on the word of God means we actually come close and draw close to Jesus who is the word. And he's the fulfillment of all of this. So then as we grow in relationship and we read through the gospels and we understand everything that he has said, we understand that as we follow Christ, we are actually following in the way of God because his word is manifest in Jesus. So for us, we follow what God has said and we do that through relationship with Jesus. It's all about relationship. It's never about just do all these things. It's about a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ that gives us the ability to follow him and to live for him. And this is what's so beautiful about this part. And this is our last one. Remember that the Lord gives the ability to succeed. Deuteronomy 8, 17 17 through 18 says, you may say to yourself, my power and my ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant he swore to your fathers as it is today. And now while we're not promising that we're going to all go and like be wealthy people, that's not what we're saying here today. But (laughs) Um, this was to the Israelites okay Um, but what's beautiful is we can remember that as we have success we need to remember it was not by my might or by my power it was not by my abilities it was by the hand of the Lord he's the one that led he's the one that did all the work and I simply said yes 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 and so Psalms 106 Psalm 106 says, yet how quickly they forgot what he had done. 
they wouldn't wait for his counsel. And so when we remember what he has done and uh, who he is, we begin to have a supernatural ability to wait. Hmm. We need to wait on him. Wait on what he says. Let's not move out in our own strength, trying to force something to happen. Instead, let's wait. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. We're going to abide. We're going to tarry. We're going to wait on what the Lord has because it is good and it is wonderful. So remembering all that he's done, his plan to save us from our sins and that he is the one and only God, that he provides, that he leads, that he does miraculous signs and wonders, that he's the one that disciplines us. All of these things lead us to a place of worship, of prayer, of thanksgiving, of remembering his son, Jesus. And as we do that, we're gonna be able to move forward as a congregation full of life and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to do something uh, special to close out service today. Um, we are going to uh, take a time to take communion together. One of the greatest ways that the Bible talks about remembering is to remember the body and the blood. And we're going to do that in a second. But uh, before we get there, I just I, I, I want to give an invitation for those that are maybe listening today. You've heard, sewn into everything that we've said, that the fulfillment of everything is Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus was the one that provided a way. Jesus was the one that took the penalty for sin. Jesus was the one that did all of this stuff, right? Jesus was the one that did it. And for us to realize that's the starting place for us. He's the Lord. He's our Savior. It's not us. It's not anything we do, but it's him. And if you're listening to my voice and you're listening to us talk about this thing today and talk about Jesus and you're like, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever gone down the, the road of actually receiving that forgiveness and that provision of paying for the debt for my sins. I don't even know if I fully understand what that means yet, but I, but I want to take a, a step to start understanding what that means. I want to tell you that Jesus is standing with open arms to receive you today. If you've walked on your own, you've navigated life on your own, I want you to know that there is an open door and invitation from the Father to be in relationship. So before we go into any further, before we take communion together, I want to give you an opportunity if you're far from God and you want an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. And the way that we do that is we're all going to pray a prayer together. And if you're in a place saying, I want the beginning of that relationship. I want you to pray that with faith and believing in your heart for what we're saying. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I thank you for the price you paid. I thank you for paying for my debt. And I thank you for the forgiveness of my sin. And today, I ask you into my heart to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to wash away all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the failure. I find new life in you today, a beginning journey with you. Amen. If you pray that prayer today, I want you to know that you are now started on a path that is going to lead to an incredible, amazing relationship. 
And church, can we do this? Can we put our hands, whether you're online or whether you're in the room and you prayed that prayer, can we put our hands together for those that made that decision to follow Christ today for the first time?